Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week, I'm really excited to sit down and talk with Terry Miller. Um, Terry just finished the Hard Rock 100. Um, he just had a special, special race, but I really want you to think about this. Like, part of this episode is about a guy who set a goal years and years and years ago and has continuing continually made progress towards that goal um him doing this race this like this story that you're about to hear is kind of the conclusion of this quest right like it was a quest for nearly a decade to take on and complete the hard rock 100 um when terry first got into ultra running the hard rock 100 was his number one thing like that's the thing he was most excited for most passionate about um, and he really got into doing these 100 mile races so he could enter the lottery, get chosen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I want you to imagine spending years and years tr- working towards this goal and then being in the race and man, it's the hard rock 100. Like <laughs> that's not gonna, that's not gonna be easy. The course isn't going to let up on you just because you want it, want it really bad. In fact, it seems like it's just going to be that much more of a difficult experience uh, when it comes to Terry's case. And the course threw everything it had at him. And he really had to dig deep uh, to get it done. And he got it done uh, with like 13 minutes to spare, 12 minutes to spare. Um, He was DFL. He was the toughest man on the course, in my opinion. He was out in the San Juan mountains longer than anybody else. Um, and he battled it. He battled the course. Um, and the part of this that I love is the idea of like this journey towards this goal. And then when you're almost ready to complete your goal, having to dig deeper than you've ever had to dig within yourself to actually get it done. And that is inspiring to me. And that's what I love about ultra running. That's what I love about adventure. That's what I love about these stories and the individuals that go through this, uh, you know, and Terry's like a special dude. And part of what makes him special is the fact that he, he put himself out there and he did it and he got it done. And he, you know, you're, I'm sitting here talking with him in my backyard, which was really cool. Um, sorry if you hear cars drive by and whatnot. Um, but we're sitting outside talking in my backyard and I'm just sitting across from a human being who really, really, really dug deep. Um, and that's, that's awesome. That's really special. So, uh, let's just get right into it, guys. We also talk about 14ers. We also talk about being dads. Uh, let's jump right in. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 262 with hard rocker Terry Miller. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Terry Miller uh, in my podcast studio, my backyard, which usually means someone will start like jackhammering like immediately as we do this or something but but yeah man welcome to the show thanks thanks for having me chris yeah man uh so i invited you on i heard about your hard rock 100 race which just sounded completely epic you're what like two weeks out now uh five days 
Five days? Yeah. Oh, you're five days out, and <laughs> you just came from doing the flat iron. So how's recovery going? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going. I feel pretty good for the most part. I don't have it like energy, you know, energy left or anything. But I'm moving okay, so it it could be worse. Dang man. So, is was today your first workout since the race? Uh, I ran a mile around the around uh, on a flat path around a lake chasing my daughter on her bike a couple days ago, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I've been trying to move a little bit. But yet today's the first trail, anything hard-ish that I did. Yeah. Well, how was that chasing your daughter? Did she beat you? Oh yeah, she's <laughs> she's three and a half, but she definitely already has to wait for me on the bike. Like I'm gonna have to buy a bike. I haven't had a bike for a couple years, but I'm gonna have to get one again because she's way faster than i am she actually scared herself on tuesday or yeah, i think it was tuesday or wednesday that she was because she got too far ahead of me and thought she was lost dude my kids have done that too <laughs> you're like slow down like i'm like yeah, i'm the dad like yelling in the distance like zoe zoe and she's just cruising up there but i, I like to let her do it so she feels yeah. adventurous and so that or maybe she'll scare some sense in, into herself because <laughs> you know if she gets afraid and and you know then she'll oh and maybe i shouldn't leave dad but that doesn't seem to be working very well <laughs> <laughs> the adventurous part maybe yeah yeah no she's definitely adventurous but she does not have enough fear of losing dad <laughs> dude i i think about this with my kids on the bike like just the freedom it gives them like once they learn how to ride a bike you just see it in them they're just free to go free to start having adventures and it's awesome yeah 100 percent. yeah well my and my daughter climbs too i take her climbing and stuff like that and she was trail running when she was like 15 months old i have a video of her running down a trail at 15 months old so so yeah she's totally independent and recognizes no no uh, limitations on herself i brought her back a shirt from hard rock they had shirts and kid sizes and she was all excited because she got the shirt because she thought it meant now she could do the race because <laughs> she had the shirt man uh my kids have done a couple trail races and it's just funny because even if the races are like a mile or like two miles you see them go through the whole peaks and valleys that yeah. someone would go through in an ultra you know it's like yeah like nine you're 90 percent the way through the race and now you want to quit and you just <laughs> see that and it's just funny it like goes doesn't matter like how far the distance is or whatever yeah it's cool to cool to watch for sure yeah man well before we get in hard rock because you just mentioned you like right before we sat down you started talking about colorado 14ers i love that i love the 14ers so um i just got to hear about this like do you have a history of being adventurous or like what brought you to this like finding purpose in the outdoors kind of situation? Really, it was the the genesis of all of it was when I was a kid, we lived near the woods. And when I was, I have distinct memories of being four years old, five years old, and my mom would just open the door and I'd go play in the woods and I was just gone. I was just gone in the woods all day. In my mind, you know, having adventures in my head, you know, and yeah. and just literally just getting lost in the woods and and playing in the woods. So that was always just growing up what I like to do. And to me, it's all it's still exactly the same. I just like to run around the woods and the mountains and just play outside and have these have these adventures that are partly in my you know in my head and partly with what I'm actually doing just on these. Uh, 
going on these journeys and adventures. So yeah, man, where'd you grow up at? That part was in Maryland on these right in kind of kind of close to Washington D.C. Okay, where and, at? Uh, what town? Um, Laurel is where I was. Okay. Is where I spent most of my childhood. Nice man. Yeah. One of my really good friends, uh, Phil, is from Maryland. He lives out there, and I got to visit him last or two years ago, and it's just a gorgeous place. Like awesome. Super pretty. I mean, the dichotomy is pretty pretty interesting because where I lived. I it was literally woods and I was gone like I said lost in the woods all day <laughs> but it was 20 minutes from Washington DC and so then when I was in my early teens like we moved a little closer to the city and I was in like the hood you know playing street basketball like yeah. basketball playground so like my early teens and mid teens like it was all about playing playground basketball yeah in exactly how you would imagine playground basketball in DC and uh, so, you know, and those experiences were 20 minutes away from each other. It's kind of a d- cool dichotomy. Yeah, me. man. So when you were out playing, you know, in the city more, were you dreaming about heading back to the country? Or was that, did you not even really think about that as a kid? No, I didn't, I didn't think about it deeply in those terms. Like they were both just, you know, I was just into, into it, what yeah. I was doing at the time. And I did notice it was it was noticeable to me, you know, with the other people I interacted with in the city areas that they that they had no background of being in the country that that, you know, being out in the woods because I'd had friends from there. And sometimes we'd go to my grandfather's place, whatever. And and it was just completely foreign to them. And that was weird to me that there were these whole groups of people who existed who never were out in the, you know, like out there in the woods and everything like that. But to me, that was just always a fundamental part of, you know, what I was just be yeah. playing in the woods. And Did you ever stuff. like literally get lost in the woods? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I can remember sometimes I can remember being like five years old and finding being way back in the woods and finding uh, um, a, a, like a, a an old, like a deserted cemetery. No way. And, it was, really? and then I realized it was getting dark. And I didn't even know how to get home. I, I mean, I found this my way home. This is like the home. start of a Stephen King book. <laughs> oh, yeah. and that But that happened to me. Like, I was just exploring in the woods. And then I'd be like, oh, crap, it's getting dark. I better head home. And so that's uh, – and, and I always, always – and always to this point have – found my way home so yeah. <laughs> I but if I got home too after dark it was like man I'm afraid of getting lost in the woods in the dark and I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me when I get home for being out <laughs> after dark <laughs> kind of equally scary yeah yeah man dude do you think like I don't know so okay eventually you moved to Colorado though so what brought you out here yeah um was it, so then I was in I was in Northern California Bay Area for a few years in my late teens early 20s and um mostly early 20s and then my family my mom and stepfather and little brothers my five little brothers and sisters all moved out here and oh I wow came, like I, everyone just moved everybody out moved out here yeah. i had i had moved out from home so everybody but everybody else is still at home they all moved out here and um i came out here just to like spend a few months over the winter to ski because i love yeah. to ski and i was like oh i mean i'll just go hang out and ski but um you know that was the intention and that was i think 27 years ago <laughs> dude you can't come visit that's why so many people are moving to colorado yeah because yeah. once you visit here and stay for like there's like a threshold you know it's like two weeks maybe if you stay for longer than two weeks you're like i gotta move out here I don't yeah, know yeah it's a it's a space if you're an outdoors if you're an outdoors sort of person yeah it's the and then they you know there's the expression you move for the or you come for the winters and stay for the summers because other people 
you know, it's different now. And like trail running, people know about the summer. But like a lot of people move here, like for the skiing and the yeah. winter sports, and then realize, you know, what the mountains Dude, are like summers in the summers. Are magical, man. man. I finally, like, first time this week, got up into like the high mountains in the Indian Peaks, and I was like, ah, oh, I just forgot how awesome this is. Yeah. And then I forgot what an altitude headache feels like. And then I got <laughs> down and I was like, oh, shit. My head was pounding. But, dude, so I guess what I wanted to ask, like, as a dad raising kids here, do you feel like there's they don't have the same kind of freedom? Because I was kind of a similar way, like, just running through the woods or leaving home in the morning and not coming back till like, late afternoon. Yeah, if I if I, you know, my mom just let me outside here, I feel like I would have been eaten by an animal (laughs) or fallen off a cliff. Yeah. I do do real estate and I show people houses all the time out here and I'm showing them these houses and I'm like, you know, the people with kids, I'm like, man, if, if, if my parents had moved into this house, I would not have survived to adulthood because there's all these rocks right outside that I would 100% have climbed on until I fell off and died. That's a terrible so pitch it's as a, a it's, real estate guy. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, the, the the landscape is more extreme here for sure. Yeah. Because um, where I lived, it was rolling hills yeah. and beautiful. And I miss that. I go to places like I like going to the northwest. I like going back east. Um, and I love those thick, green, verdant forests. And occasionally you can find a trail even like that out here yeah. that's really green and nice. Um, and uh, and I, I really miss that. Uh, but there's not much that can kill you in those places either. Whereas Colorado, I mean, not that it's, it's not as dangerous as people think, but yeah, there's plenty of places where you take a wrong step. Um, and, uh, and it's not going to be good for you. Well, and you just think like there's, you know, in the back of my mind, always while running, it's like rattlesnakes, you know, maybe mountain lions because I go early in the morning. Like it's always in the back of my mind. I've rarely had any encounters but it's always there and you have to just kind of be aware of it. Well, and, and yeah, at, as an adult, you know, I've, I've looked at the numbers and stuff. The odds of being attacked by a mountain yeah. lion or bear are insanely low. But if you look at Colorado over the last 20, 30 years of people who've been eating my mouth, it's mostly kids. Like yeah. if a kid gets lost in the woods, yeah. that's a thing. Like, that's you terrifying. Know, if you're a grown up running on, like you're probably fine. Yeah. That doesn't really happen. Yeah. But if, uh, but. Yeah, if you lose your kid in the woods here, so that's scary, a whole different, man. That's I know, and it's thing. funny because I love taking my kids hiking, but I always, it's like me hiking by myself. It's a totally different feeling than hiking with my kids because there is, maybe not, well, there is that, but also the cliffs and stuff like that. Like in the back of your mind, you're like, dude, be careful. Like now you're like putting your energy out there for like another human being too. <laughs> right. It's bonkers, man. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, but yeah, man, so you're out here now and you decided to, like did you just like kind of fall in love with hiking the 14ers or like when did that become a goal um well the 14ers thing and it's all the same to me it's just adventures in the mountains whether it's hard rock or 14ers or you know like nolan's is on my mind like whatever it's all just playing (laughs) and playing outside playing in the mountains um and i had been i always liked hiking and you know i was pretty fit as a kid you know when i first moved out here i was pretty young and i you know had play basketball and stuff but I wasn't an endurance I hated running I didn't run whatsoever yeah running is terrible but um <laughs> and uh, but I'd been out here a few months and somebody's like hey you want to go climb a 14er and I'm like hell yeah what's a 14er <laughs> I had no idea and they're like oh it'll be fun it's, we're gonna go do Long's Peak and I'm like all right I'm down that sounds good and uh it was like this bunch of you know young people from 
they were friends and friends of friends from from Boulder, and there was like 16 of us that all got together to do Long's Peak, and there's only me and one other guy that actually made it to the wow, top. Wow, dude! And I was like, you know, and if you know, you know, if you're from around here and you know, Long's Peak is one of the more exposed and yeah. scary for a lot of people and zero people suggested as your first 14er put it that way i tried it as my first 14er and also failed <laughs> so was, yeah 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 it's you know like there's plenty of places where one wrong move and, it, and it's over so um but I, it was the hardest thing i'd ever done in my life to yeah. that point and i was like oh my god this is insane and um but i but i absolutely loved it but i was busy i was young and broken um, about to get married at the time and it, it didn't even occur to me that you could do them all like you know I'd yeah. heard of people who did them all but to me that's something like you had to have a trust fund or something to yeah. have time to go do all the 14ers and but I would still do one every chance I got and as the numbers got higher and then I many years later found running I didn't find running until I was 37 um, and then I got to where I could knock them out a little faster yeah. And as the numbers got higher and I was knocking them out faster, I was like, oh, this could actually be a thing. Like, I could actually do them all. And uh, so, like, the, the the higher, the more I did, the more obsessed I got with finishing. Yeah. <laughs> and then as I got close to finishing, and as always with setting a big goal like that, and I think I heard in one of your podcasts you talking about this, too, that, like, you, you set the big goal and then as you get close to the goal or you reach the goal, then you realize that it, the goal itself wasn't, wasn't, you know, you're not like, oh, I'm done now. And, you know, like, you know, then I was like, before I was even done with the 14ers, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to do the 100 highest peaks, you know, the centennials, because there's always. Well, it's almost weird, man. It's almost like you think the end of the journey, you think the end of the goal is the end of the journey, like when you first set it. Right. Like when you first told yourself like, hey, I'm going to climb all the 14ers. You're probably like, man, when I climb all the 14ers, it's going to feel so awesome. And then you're pretty much done. And you're like, well, I still like want to do more. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I finished, you know, I, you know, like as I've either 50, 58, depending on how you count them, 14ers and, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do 58, 14ers. And now I finished last year. And I think my current list of mountains I'd like to climb has a couple hundred <laughs> peaks on it because I want to do the, the rest of the hundred highest. Plus, yeah. I want to climb all the mountains along the Hard Rock course. And um, then I f figured out messing around one day that there's 21 green mountains in Colorado. <laughs> so I want to climb all the green mountains in Colorado. Like Amazing. I know two of them. That's yeah. all I know. There's two of them. <laughs> um, dude, that's wild, man. Did you have any, like... I mean, you had to have had some crazy experiences on the 14ers. And I love, like, that's, like, a theme of my podcast, I feel like. <laughs> uh, do you have any, like, crazy crazy stories up there? Or? Um, I mean, I guess I suppose it depends what you consider crazy. I never – I feel like you – you the, the goal – is to make the experience as not crazy as possible. <laughs> That's true. That is true. The more crazy it is, you probably you, up. you probably <laughs> messed up. <laughs> um, but hey, most of the experiences were learning and emotional experiences, like getting into spots. Like one, I remember learning is like with scrambling and like before we got on, we we're talking about the doing the fat flat irons and scrambling the fat flat irons and realizing that when I get into really sketchy spots when I'm like 
I can't figure out where to go from here, what's yeah. going on, and that if I stop and if I breathe yeah. and just take really deep breaths for 30 to 60 seconds, that a handhold will be five feet from me and I couldn't see it, but it'll like pop out of the rock, you know, like things just, just, yeah. just catch your breath and things will become more clear and, you know, it comes to you. Yeah. You know, you can figure out, you know, the way to go if you control your breathing. And, uh, you know, whereas if you push yourself too hard, you can get into a spot where, like, you don't, you know, your brain's not working right. And yeah. So trying to um, walk that line and stay sane and moder- moderate, you know, your, make sure you're not screwing up. And so, so that, lear- learning about that and uh, learning, the interesting thing too, I mean, all of them, you look at the pictures and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, like this, I might, I might die. And, you know, you read the stories and a lot of the mountains I did last year, I went up knowing that two people died on this mountain last year. That's the trippy experience a lot of people don't talk about, but you hear those stories while you're, while you live here. Yeah. And then you just can't forget them. They don't just leave your brain. And then I'm, yeah, I'm trying to go to sleep in the back of my forerunner. It, you know, knowing I have to get up at four in the morning and walk, you know, so I'm not sleeping well Yeah. anyway, cause I'm, yeah. you know, 10,000 feet and I'm getting up at four in the morning, walking to my death as far as I know, you know, but, and I'm confident in my skills, but I, but I still, you know, the, the people who died last year were confident in their There's, skills yeah. too. And, and, you know, so knowing that I'm going to have to not mess up, I'm going to have to keep my wits about me and yeah. do everything right. And, uh, um, and you know, not really knowing what it's going to look like to me once I get there, because even if you've seen the pictures or some you know Doesn't go, do GoPro footage or something, yeah. it never really is like what it is in real life. But then I get there, and that's the other thing that is you get there, and it's like, oh, this is okay. Yeah, it's like doable. Like it's 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 fine. Like it was super scary on the picture and the GoPro footage. Like I have a GoPro. I the one thing I've ever put on YouTube of me doing the section called the um catwalk on the little bear blanca traverse <laughs> no and, way uh, you did that traverse. dude oh my god find, i have to watch the video find, find the youtube <laughs> and when i posted it on my facebook it was literally like a hundred comments of people saying fuck no yeah like there's no way yeah. i'm doing it because it looks so scary and that'll I'm, be I'm me a, commenting i'm afraid of, i'm afraid of heights myself but i got there and it's like you know the only way out is forward i trust yeah. my skills i know that I can do this yeah. and I'm holding on to something and yeah. like, that's just go. Like I'm not walking four hours back across the traverse. So I know that, you know, a bunch of other people have done this before me. And yeah. um, so just trust my, my universe becomes very small. I exist in me and whatever rock I'm holding on to is the only thing that exists in the world. Yeah. And I know, and that's, I mean, it was the same with hard rock where, like, you know, I knew the math in my head. I knew it was unlikely for me to finish the whole time, but it didn't matter. What mattered was what I'm doing right now. Like the next step forward, get to the next aid station, make the yeah. next, um, you know, don't slow down on this section. Just keep keep moving and yeah. um, leave myself, just do everything right and give my give myself uh, the best chance to, to finish. Yeah, it's the like control what you can control. And then yeah. everything you can't control, you might as well not even worry about it or yeah. waste your brain energy right. on that stuff. Dude, let's get into hard rock, though. Maybe we'll come back to 14 or so. <laughs> uh, I want to hear about it, man. So you 
And I, just to preface this, it's a total honor in ultra running to get DFL, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of is. <laughs> it's kind of a, a, a weird thing because I know that there were over 100 people who did better than I did in the race, and then I'm getting interviewed for a podcast. Heck yeah, dude. I mean, come on. I, I mean, I always think of it this way. I'm like, dude, I mean, Hard Rock's course, which is, you know, in some of the it's in the san juans it's like unbelievably beautiful down there like the prettiest mountain range in colorado in my opinion anyways um and it's just rugged though and the whole course just looks like it's tough like super high altitude tough climbs all of that and you were out there longer than literally everyone else so then i'm like he's the toughest man toughest man in Colorado last weekend. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. And, you know, looking at it that way, <laughs> it was, um, I mean, yeah, to keep, just keep going, keep going. And I do a lot of, again, we were talking about the flat irons and boulder and stuff like that. So like big, you know, hard, hard climbs, technical stuff. Like I'm, yeah. I'm used to that. And, uh, I just knew, well, and you know, hard rock, being hard rock that there was just no question of stopping it was just uh um i knew that i just had to keep going until until somebody made me stop yeah well it's just it's you're used to those climbs right but you're doing like multiple 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 hard climbs on this course yeah like that's the thing that's like has to compound as it goes on well and that's something you know it took me so long to get in and a lot of people get bitter about that. And I wasn't happy about, you know, getting... Yeah, tell me about that process. Yeah, the lottery. How, how many years were you shooting for it? I think the first year I tried to get in was 2013. I don't... I think wow. 2013 or 14, I did my first 100 miler. So I had my first qualifier. What was that race? Run, Rabbit, Run. Okay. So, yeah, my first 100 was... A, was I specifically picked a hard rock yeah. qualifier for my first 100. Yeah. And... But I also went and volunteered at Hard Rock that year and found somebody to pace at Hard Rock that year. So, like, I had discovered – I knew I wanted to do Hard Rock because I'd read an article about it years before when I first discovered trail running. Yeah. So I knew that Hard Rock was a thing I wanted to do. And so when I had the – as soon as I could make the opportunity for myself, I went down there, <clears throat> volunteered, paced. Just I wanted to get a you know sense of it, see for myself what it was all about, start – I'd never been to those mountains before. Yeah. Just pictures and everything. So I went down there and, and it was, you know, seeing it in person, even not doing the race was better than I could have imagined. And it became, I did that every year and it was the most fun weekend of the year, just volunteering and pacing and doing trail work. And then some so of those, you, you kept going there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. And every, some of those things, um, give you extra chances in the lottery. Yeah. And, but each one that I did, I, you know, like, that might have put it in my radar. Be like, oh, if you do trail work, you get extra tickets. But then, like I've done done it in years I didn't need to, and at least because I just realized, oh, this is a this is a cool thing, you know. Like I enjoyed doing it, and I felt good doing it. So I was just down there, you know, the the week before, and for Hard Rock every year, and did five different qualifiers, and kept putting in the lottery. So with all the extra volunteer work and stuff like that. I ended up having 256 tickets in the lottery <laughs> by the time I got in. No way. Um, what were the other qualifiers? Just I did Run Rabbit Run. Yeah. I did Bear. Okay. I did Fat Dog. Okay. I did Cruel Jewel. And I did Cascade Crest. Okay, cool. 
Um, yeah, and it was, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. There was uh, each of those ones at the time, you know, I first started and I'm like, oh, these are qualifiers for hard rock. But they were so, such incredible experiences in and of themselves. Um, and each one of them, I learned so yeah. much that by the time I did get into hard rock, I had to use all of this stuff I had learned from all those other ones yeah. that I had done. So when I was in, you know, I appreciated it that much more. And I had learned all that stuff that, you know, in the first one, like I got a bunch of blisters this time and I, you know, I wouldn't have known what to do with all those blisters if I hadn't done Cruel Jewel. Yeah. You know, where I learned, uh, well, I think, you know, Fat Dog, I learned about blisters. <laughs> Cruel Jewel, I learned about chafing. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, I had learned how... The to, hard way. Oh, learned the oh, hard man. way. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Cruel Jewel, it rained on me for 15 hours. Oh, dude. I did the, the basically the last 60 miles of that race, I did bow-legged because it <laughs> felt like my crotch was on fire. <laughs> and yeah, uh, um, so, but now I know to run with uh, uh, two Tom's wipes and, and Heck yeah. a package hey, of trail toes no. like, in my pocket. Dude, thank you. Two <laughs> like, Tom's wipe. That's where it's at, man. Like, all the like, other stuff, I'm like, whatever. If anyone mentions, like, I don't even remember what all the other chafing I, and stuff I'm, is. I'm sure they're all good, but I can't nah, put them in my pocket. They're not. They're so, not. So the other ones the I can. Two Tom's wipes, dude. It, like you, it's like a wipe. You yeah, wipe all need, the areas. I can literally not even stop. I just pull it out of my pocket, <laughs> open it up, and jam my, you know, jam yes. it down my pants. And I don't take it. I haven't taken sponsors for this podcast, but two Tom's wipes. That's where it's at, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but see, if I hadn't done Cruel Jewel, I wouldn't have known about that, you know. So yeah. Um, so that's an interesting perspective because there are i mean it would be frustrating putting in for a lottery and not getting it but i like that perspective because you're like the fact that i had to kind of jump through these hoops and do these other races like prepared me so i could actually be successful yeah yeah Yeah. i mean and you know if i'd gotten in the first year with one ticket i would have taken it you know and i I would have been six years six years younger and you know maybe (laughs) you know maybe i would have done fine i don't i don't know but I don't, or I don't like any... mile 30, you get really bad blisters and then you don't finish. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I may not have at that point, you know, it could have been like, oh, my God, this sucks. I'm in last place. And I may have lost my uh, I may have not had what it took to keep going. Yeah. And I, oh, and I think that's what I was going to mention before about starting having to do a few hundreds because everybody who knows me knows like I love, love, love big mountains yeah and i really really suck at climbing like i am i'm much bigger than the average runner i'm 195 pounds and i just don't climb very fast like downhills are my thing but you enjoy climbing i i wouldn't even go so far as to say (laughs) i enjoy it i enjoy going up things i enjoy getting to the top yeah um i don't it's not the act of climbing that i enjoy (laughs) But I do it because I want to get to the top. Yeah. And uh, um, and so it used to be, you know, like a typical run or something for me was I get to the top and I struggle and it sucks and I get to the top and then I'm like, yay, downhill. And then I'm, then I'm you know, like every you know, hearing angels, you know, like of course, because I get the downhill and I get to crush the downhill and I love the downhill. But when you do hundreds, you have to change your perspective because you do the climb and you get the downhill. The downhill is amazing. 
but now you got six more big climbs like that to come. Yeah. Like even you know Hard Rock has more, but they all have a bunch. Yeah. So it's like okay, I did that downhill, and now I got another uphill. So, yeah. So you had to get a lot more zen about it, and like instead of being like oh, another climb, like it just is. You know, like sometimes yeah. the trail goes up, sometimes the trail goes down, and and you know, so instead of being like oh my god, one more climb, I don't. I, geez do i have to do more climbing yeah but you know you can't think like that when you've got climb after climb after climb so you know even the mental aspect of learning to just be okay with whatever was happening on the trail yeah um you, you know, can't even if it's get not down. my strength you know like just, you, once you start like negative talking climbs and stuff like it, it's not going to end well yeah you, know? you oh, just yeah. have to accept it yeah and i i don't remember which of my races i did where i decided to for myself too that if um that no matter what when somebody asks me how's it going how you feeling whatever the i say amazing like yeah. i'm doing wonderful like it doesn't matter what's actually going on because <laughs> getting down about it and saying like oh my god this is the worst day ever my feet are falling apart and, yeah you know, like it, you know like it's not gonna it doesn't help you know and then you no. just then it, you're just compounding whatever's going on with your own bad attitude so yeah, yeah. so you decided to lie to people yeah well <laughs> <No, I'm just laughs> and you know on in one hand it's a lie because from an objective perspective yeah i was pretty miserable for most of that 48 <laughs> hours that i was out there but on the other hand hard rock was a dream this is I mean, what you wanted to do how many people even taking the race out of the equation or the run out of the equation how many people have the ability physically financially in you know or just even know that it exists to just go run 100 miles in the san juans yeah. i mean how many people can even do that and then in in the ultra running community to have the chance to run hard rock i mean that's amazing, huge man. i mean yeah so many like i was honestly one of the luckiest humans on the planet to be out there and i knew it yeah so even though i was miserable i was always conscious of the you know amazing privilege yeah that you know how how fortunate i was to just have a chance to be out there and to be doing that route yeah you almost want to just tell people like the whole time like how lucky are we like <laughs> yeah I, I i do that i do that um in fact i was pacing somebody there a few years ago and it was like the the second morning we're co coming up to the top of handies with uh, and there was kind of a group of people together and everybody's just kind of grinding and uh everybody's being quiet but the sun is coming up as we're coming up handies and i just like yelled i'm like i'm like you know this is you know we are the luckiest humans on the planet right now to yeah. be coming up handies as the sun comes up on the hard rock course like you know and everybody's just suffering but it's still just the most amazing thing yeah and i think it was right after that that they took my picture and it's on the hard rock finisher poster this year no way really <laughs> yeah so <laughs> up on handy's on, peak yeah I, i'm pretty sure which is one of the 14ers yeah, by the way yeah yeah <laughs> so um yeah i didn't even know till i got the, the apparently they took my picture while i was pacing somebody a couple years ago and, and it's the <laughs> on the finisher poster this year dude that's so crazy man i i mean yeah that's such a good perspective what here's something that always interests me is like you go out there and you just described it perfectly, but it's like the intentional suffering and you feel miserable by the same time you feel like the most alive ever. 
Like, what do you find through that suffering? Because most people, it seems like you, if you tell quote unquote regular people, you know, like non trail runners, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you tell them like, Hey, I did this thing and I suffered for 47 hours, they would be like, why? Like, I don't understand. Why would you want to do that? Why would that be good for you? But obviously it was awesome and there was something that you keep getting drawn back to so like do you know what that something is or like why do you like that feeling i think well and i I, and i think about this part all the time i don't like that feeling i don't like the suffering (laughs) i compare it to like a a heroin addict like i don't think anybody actually likes jabbing themselves with a needle but they like how they feel after um i like knowing for for one thing there's experiences out there that you can't have if you're not willing to do that work like you don't have to do it for 48 hours like for me i just i want to do it as hard as i want to make it you know go as hard as i can and see you know go as far as i can but that's not you know if somebody just wants to run 10ks you know what that's that's totally fine if somebody has a different focus and doesn't want to do that that's fine but there's but there are experiences out there that you can't have if you're not willing to put in the work being for me it's being at the top of 14ers you know being at the top of mountains and you know there's a couple you can drive to but for the most part yeah that feeling of being up there there are things you can see and places you can be that you simply do not have access to if you're not willing to do the work yeah and and that exists inside of you too. You like, you know, you there are things about yourself that you don't know if you can do. Like, it drives me absolutely nuts when you know people, you know, random people who meet me, hear what I do, or people just even see me running on the trails while they're hiking, and they're like, "Oh, I could never do what you do." And I'm like, "You're right, based on what you just said, <laughs> because you 100% could if yeah. you were willing to put in the work." Um, you know, and like. I, I lift weights too and you know like there's you know, be like lifting a certain amount of weight you know like you will never experience that if you're not willing to put in the work and for people who aren't willing to put in the work like it you might as well be superhuman to be able to accomplish these things because yeah. most people most people can't conceive of accomplishing them don't know that they could they don't know their own capacity they don't know any of that yeah so to be able to one feel the experiences to be in places and feel things that other people don't have access to you know and i just keep soaking up these new experiences so that's amazing and then to learn what how hard i'm willing to work and what i'm capable of extracting from myself and that would hard rock in particular yeah because it was so close and because it was hard rock and it was so important most of that race I felt like I was pushing myself as hard as I could but that was moderated by the fact that if I pushed myself too hard I'd blow up and not finish yeah so I had to push myself as hard as I could but I couldn't really push myself 100 percent yeah but then I got to that last section the last 10 miles and I knew like based on the time I got to that last aid station that it was not looking good. Yeah. And 
I mean, it wasn't looking good the whole race, but it was really not looking good at that spot. And I knew I had 3,000 feet of climbing left. And um, I just decided whether it was rational or not in my head, I'm like, this is hard rock. And there's no reason, I don't need to save anything now. Like if I blow up, you know, on this climb, whatever, it's a, I got a downhill after it. Yeah. And I don't need to say, you know, if I save anything, I'm just gonna hate myself. Like, and if I die right here of a heart attack, well, then whatever, like, <laughs> that's what it takes. And, uh, you know, those, those are my two choices. I'm either gonna have a heart attack or I'm gonna finish. And my pacer was even, you know, of course the pacer's job is to push you, but my pacer was like, man, you might want to back off a little here because he could hear how hard I was breathing. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I did that last climb harder than I did any other climb in the race. By and necessity though. Because you're like, I'm not right, going to be able to finish put, it. I put, right. I put myself in that too. And I always, and I wondered, you know, you know, I would, would I be willing to dig that deep you know like now i know yeah i wouldn't have known if i hadn't ended up in that situation like if i had had four hours to spare in the race i would have you know i wouldn't have stopped but i wouldn't have had to do what i had to do you would have taken the climb a lot easier oh yeah yeah um so i it was super even in the moment interesting to me to see that i was in fact willing to just to to dig everything out of myself and to just go that hard Dude, even with crazy. 90 miles on my legs yeah. um you know and now now i know that i'm that i'm willing if the you know if, if the if it calls for it to go as hard as i need to go and um you know regardless of how hard it hurt bad it hurts or yeah. or anything so um, you know, to to see that I was able to rise to that challenge and dig it out. That like was, expands you as yeah, a human being. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I I was able to access a part of me that I had never never done before. And you would have to like bring it back to this idea of suffering is like you can only get that realization through really suffering through something like that. You know? Yeah. That's crazy, man. So describe like. I mean, I guess, yeah, describe the, like, the final descent, like, you're pushing hard. You said, when did you find, like, when did you realize you were fighting, like, the cutoffs and stuff during the race? Well, it, I wasn't, I wasn't fighting cutoffs. The cutoffs are pretty generous at oh, all the they? intermediate aid stations. Okay. So even at the last aid station, I think I had 45 minutes under the cutoff. Okay. But I went back through the history of the race on the splits, and I think only one person ever got to that aid station later than I did and still finished. Wow. So it wasn't the cutoff as much as just knowing that the I final the pace, what I had yeah. to what I had to do to finish. And based on the numbers, I wasn't you know, like it wasn't looking good at that point. Um, How or, far or was any that? Other points. Away or? Ten miles. Okay. 10 when miles. did you really realize like, hey, I need to I this like I need to focus on pushing myself and like holding back like you were mentioning like earlier on I well based on how my training went it wasn't perfect I knew I had the fitness and obviously I did to finish but I knew it wasn't ideal either so I was guesstimating I told people before the race I should have finished in like 46 hours that's okay. kind of what I expected what so so I wasn't going to be in the front of the pack anyway you know like I knew I was going to be in the back of the pack but um 
but I, you know, I wanted to see how the taper had gone and everything like that. And I knew I would know at the end of the first climb how I was. Yeah. And I was at the end of the first climb, basically in last place. Like, really? Like was, from the get go? I knew then, like, this is not, <laughs> this is not what I was hoping I would at least be holding on to the pack at the end of the first climb. Yeah. And it was not like yeah. that at all. Um, yeah, basically the first aid station was deserted when I got there. And um, there were still a few people behind me because I'd passed to probably six or ten, six, eight, ten people on the first descent because I'm good at descending. Uh, but those people, for the most part, passed me again on you know right away the on the next climb. climb, and then it was so by the second climb, I was pretty much by myself with just one or two people. Dude, back well, there. and that's like a interesting experience all of in of itself, you know, like being in the San Juan Mountains on this course by yourself. Like yeah. a lot of people probably don't have that experience. I think I went seven or eight hours without seeing another runner near me on the trail. Um, from like, I, there was a guy. Rob from Illinois, I think, or Indiana, one of those, that I uh, I was yo-yoing a little bit after Maggie, so, and before before Sherman, so probably 20 miles or something like that, you know, mile 20, but then from there to, uh, to Grouse, I really, which is mile 45, I didn't pass anybody, and nobody passed me, I think, wow. for 25 miles or yeah something like that and i think that also takes this extra like intrinsic motivation because you always hear like people say like hey if you're with somebody else it just makes it a little easier you're chatting you're passing the time together all that but if you're by yourself like you start getting in your own head and if you're not mentally strong you like that could take you out oh yeah for and 100 percent. and i i usually don't use pacers or anything so i'm used to being by myself yeah um, i did on this race but but usually I don't, and um, but I've definitely noticed that when I'm around other people, even and I've even slowed down. Like I did um, a bunch of miles at Fat Dog with uh, with uh, Linda Robbins, and um, like near the beginning, it was a downhill, and I could have pulled away probably on the downhill at least. But I just you know I re- realized that. Um, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, it's like the time doesn't pass. And then all of a sudden my watch will beep again. And I'm like, oh, there's another mile. That's cool. Yeah. You know, I got, you yeah. know there's not. But when I'm when I'm by myself, you know, even though I'm, you know, I feel like I have a pretty decent mental game, but it's still like, oh, it's been like three hours. And now my watch just beeped again. Oh, that's another mile. Like, that's how <laughs> it feels in, in my head. Uh, so, yeah, being by, you know, Hard Rock's a small field anyway and gets yeah. so spread out that, yeah, I was just out there by myself, but you know, That's I may, amazing. maybe all those hours and hours as a kid playing in the woods by myself and just having <laughs> adventures in my head were useful because I'm still, They'd you know, just uh, well, that's why I think it's cool. Like, all the experiences add up to yeah. the thing that you're currently doing, whatever that thing is, all your experiences can kind of help you along the way, yeah, which is cool. Um, and, so and I, I saw on Facebook you post you made a post about your pacers and your crew, like. And that you you mentioned you don't normally use them, but they were like extremely helpful. You kind of want to go into that a little bit, or oh yeah, yeah, sure. Like, Give your crew a shout out. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Sean and Andrea and Dave like <laughs> like totally saved me probably out there. And I usually don't use pacers and crew. Yeah. I just don't like asking for help. I like being independent and tough. And I, um, and uh, but in this in this race, Hard Rock. I knew it was going to be plenty hard enough, yeah. and 
I've been always thank I like I've gone out there wanting to pace, and I feel like some of the people who let me pace, and I say let me, um, they you know they didn't probably didn't need pacers. They just knew I wanted to be out there and experience yeah. the course, and I wanted to share it with other people because yeah. it's just such a cool experience. So in my mind, you know, I'm like, well, I want to, you know, I, I, in my mind, I was almost not really doing them a favor, but I wanted to share it, um, to just share the experience with them. It wasn't like I was wanting people to babysit me or take care of me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty independent. I'm pretty self-sufficient for the most part, but you know, even, you know, I finished with 12 minutes to spare. Yeah. So even just, you know, them handing me stuff at aid stations and all that, those little things that little, you know, having to stand up for at, you know, to pick my own food out at the aid station that I didn't have to do, you know, that very well, you know, could have made the difference. And, um, and again, you know, just having company for those miles of, uh, you know, most of those miles where I, I knew the whole time, like this is not looking good for me. But, uh, um, you know, having, you know, them around very well, you know, likely, yeah. you know, put me over the, over the edge of being able to finish because 12 minutes isn't a lot of cushion. So no, no, not at all. So bring us back to the last like 10 miles you climb up and you're like, really you dug, I love how you described it. Like you dug everything out because it has to take that effort. Um, when did you know you were going to actually finish on time? Was it unsure up until the last mile or so? Or There's a river a couple miles before the finish, okay. Mineral Creek. And I had walked it. I'd hiked it a couple of weeks ago with a buddy of mine, um, a couple friends. And so I knew exactly how long it was and what it was like from the river to the finish. Yeah. And I knew that if I got to the river by 5.15 – that I would be okay. And that even 520, I'd have to go harder than I wanted to for the last couple miles, but maybe, maybe would have been okay. But, um, but five, anything before 515, I knew I was going to be okay. Yeah. Cause but, the, the cough was six, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the, to me, it was like two and a quarter miles and there's some uphill, you know, but, uh, not bad uphill, you know, like I knew I probably wouldn't be able to run the uphill, but I knew I could have hiked it well. And anyhow, so I, I knew I'd be okay. Um, and if I, but I, I wasn't sure like the exact mileage because of course, you know, it's like they're telling you at the, you know, you got four and a half miles from the last aid station to the river. But if that, that four and a half could be 4.1, could be 4.8 and a half, 4.85, like yeah. it's like somewhere in there. And it's all running miles. And it's right, know. exactly. <laughs> it's like, GPS, right? You know, and at that point, you know, half a mile or, you know, a quarter of a mile at that pace that I'm going in is, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever yeah. it could be, depending on the terrain. There's a lot of rocks on that section too. A lot of sections where you can't really run because you break your ankle, even on the downhill. So, so I was going just as hard as I could, um, you know, without breaking my ankle, but going, just trying to make it to the river. Yeah. And I was pushing myself so hard I would didn't even want to look at my watch, like because I'm like the the half a second, you know, that I waste looking at my watch, is yeah. not going to help me because it just is what it is. I just have to go as hard as I can. Yeah. And. Um, but I just so I just ran as hard as I could. Yeah, because you're like, what does looking at my watch do? It's right. not gonna speed up my pace. I just right. have to I go. Can't, I can't if I look at the watch watch and say, oh, I'm going too slow. I better speed up. Like then I'm not going fast enough anyway. <laughs> like I'm already like I just need to. If I can speed up, I need to speed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just yeah. where it is. So, um, so I hit the river, 
crossed the river and I didn't even look at my watch till I got out of the river on the other side. And I looked down and it was five after five. Okay. And so, so you're like, all right, that's the point where like, I knew I would be okay at that point. Yeah. And there's a little climb right after that. And so I was still breathing hard and catching my breath from the river. So I I wasn't talking, but we got to the top of that little little climb after the river. And I was like, Dave, this is going to happen. Like, (laughs) you know, like, you know, it was, it was such a, the, the race to that point, you know, I just had to keep it pretty steady of focus on moving, just moving forward. But then like those last couple miles, there was like, that was the roller coaster of emotion where it was like starting to cry. I'm like, I can't cry. I'm not even at the finish yet. Like, I gotta like I gotta save my cry to the finish. I gotta hold it together, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you know, just back and forth, and and um, yeah, just uh, but things could start to let go a little bit, and um, and there's still some uphill there, like a little uphill road, you know. It's just like uphill on the road, and it's like a tiny uphill, but by that point, (laughs) yeah, I'm just like, oh my god, is this ever gonna finish? Like, but I, I knew it was okay, but it's like still like time was. You know, like I know I'm gonna be at the finish in ten minutes now, but like time, it feels like it ta- feels like it's taking years. And, yeah. Um, but then got into town, and I I didn't want to be last because I knew like you, you know, like all that attention and stuff um, that I didn't. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask because it's always like the person who's finishing last, like they have the most people that cheer them at yeah. the finish line. But yeah. if you're kind of like, I mean, not comfortable, like I don't. Like it, it would make me uncomfortable, like attention and stuff, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't like, it didn't make me uncomfortable. I just, it felt <laughs> weird getting attention for like sucking the most, you know, but no man, the most <laughs> badass man in Colorado last weekend, that was you. And, and it uh, was not sucking the most, but, but it was, it, no, it, it really made me feel good. <laughs> because I knew, you know, that a lot of those people they had an idea of what I had gone through yeah. to get there and the support and and that even as, you know, as slow as I am and whatever else, that everybody was so happy that other people were happy for me and Yeah. Um yeah, that was probably as as moving as anything else that I was experiencing. At the time, was that like over so, almost overwhelming, or it was? I don't think I had enough energy to be overwhelmed <laughs> yeah. at the time. Like it was, it it was really tough. It made me feel really, really good, and it was. I didn't know what to do. Like the my vision, my dream of doing it ended at kissing the rock. Yeah. So I didn't know what to do after that. Like. I thought I'd be crying and I wasn't because I'd started to cry before, but then, but I wasn't crying because my emotions weren't like, oh my God, I just, I finished. It was like, well, now what? Like, I was yeah, just kind of, kind of like weird because I, I didn't know um, what was, it, it was like the game, you know, the, every, everything was over and, and uh, my buddy, <laughs> you know, Howie Stern was right there and gave me a hug and, and I'm like looking for faces I recognized, you know, like, and and I knew I had to somehow make it into the gym so I could eat because I hadn't eaten for a long time because yeah. I was just trying to move. And uh, but yeah, it was just like a weird figuring out what to do next. Yeah. Have you processed mm-hmm. the experience at all? Like, I mean, it's only been a few a, days. Yeah, a few days. Um, I a little, a little at a time. It's uh, yeah. it's a uh, definitely. 
um, you know, kind of comes in waves where, uh, you know, I had to get right back to work and have my daughter and stuff like that. So, but every once in a while, I'll, you know, something will just hit me and, yeah, and I'll realize, man, I, you know, I did it. Like yeah. it's, it's, uh, um, and yeah, just like weird things will trigger, trigger it and I'll get emotional. But, uh, I, I, I feel like I'll still be processing it, you know, for a while yeah. to, you know, really getting the, um, the full impact of, of what it, Dude. what it's like. And, yeah. yeah. That's such a wild journey. And it, it, especially with it being something working towards for so many years, you know? Yeah. Like, I just think like, I was like, man, I should have interviewed him like six months from now, maybe <laughs> give him some time, you know? Um, but man, dude, did, was there like a, like, was there an award ceremony like afterwards or what? Yeah. The award ceremony at, at hard rock is pretty cool because it's a small enough race, an intimate enough race yeah. that they call everybody up by name. And so, um, and because it's uh, they kind of model it after a graduation ceremony because it's a <laughs> it's a postgraduate it, it's a, a postgraduate event so when you first finish hard rock they call you up and you get your masters of mileage <laughs> and um, they give you a little certificate it's the race poster with your name on it you know like um, so it's a pretty cool experience seeing everybody get called up and then a lot of the people getting called up um, are actual heroes of mine you know people well, who've done it so many times and that was something i wanted to ask about like just the who's who at hard rock you're just like i mean it has to be crazy as like a fan of ultra running just to be walking around being like huh oh no way you're <laughs> yeah. here like whoa i don't know it's oh, oh it, it totally is and and silverton in general the week of hard rock because yeah. silverton is it's such a, tiny a small town, town <laughs> yeah. that you're just walking around rubbing shoulders like i remember the first year i was there I was sitting in a handlebars cafe and a friend of mine up here was like, uh, messaged me and I'm just sitting there having some lunch or something. And my friend is like, Hey, if you see Killian, tell him I said, hi. And he was literally at the table next to me. So, hey, my friend so, says hi. so I showed him, the, up, I showed him the text and took a selfie with him and sent it back to her right away. Cause, and I'm like, yeah, I told him you said hi. And she was like, because that's how it is. Like everybody amazing, is just like man. there, you know, yeah. and, and then if you're, you know, there's, there's ultra running heroes and legends, but then if you're, you know, for people who follow hard rock, there's people like Kirk Apt, who's done it 25 times and wow. Blake Wood, who's, who's like my hero. Cause he's done, uh, um, he's done hard rock, I think 22, 23 times, but then he's done Nolan's and Barkley yeah. and, um, wow. you know, all these other, and he's, he's uh, he set a record for running sub three hour marathons over like four decades and wow. like all this craziness. Um, so just the longevity and then there's you know people Betsy Kallmeyer down there who's run Hard Rock like 20 times and uh, um, you know it's just all these people with just these pedigrees and you know and not just like pedigrees because of their accomplishments but because you know the only reason to do that it's not like you go down there and and it, you don't just do hard rock a bunch of times because it's a race. Yeah. Like it's because you go down there and you love the San Juans yeah. and you love that people and the, that course and just the whole experience of it. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand that. You're like when they're just looking at the winners and they're looking at the thing, but when you're there, like all the people who've been there that many times, 
it's it's not that they keep going just because it's a prestige thing or to check boxes it's because it's just it's a bunch of people who share the same love yeah of those mountains it's because it's their favorite yeah. race you know yeah. and they can yeah. probably spend times throughout the year not not at hard rock but like you know months later imagining certain turns on the trail and certain parts that they ran and certain people they met along the way and like yeah i totally get that that's that's amazing and so yeah it's just you know a bunch of people who have the same love and you know share the same yeah same thing and everybody's you know and so i think on my facebook post i've got like four or five former hard rock winners who are like congratulations and <laughs> nice job and and uh um yeah everybody is so so it's such a cool family dude killian will be taking pictures with you to send to his friend <laughs> <laughs> well i uh was it uh oh I think uh, Jim Walmsley liked my Instagram post. Dude, the there you go, man. Holy like, smokes. I like, took a screenshot to my <laughs> yeah. friend. I'm like, okay, no big deal. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal now. I don't know if I can hang out with you anymore. Like, <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Uh, real quick to wrap up, do you have – so as someone who has been at Hard Rock for all these years and, you know, is now like I – I mean, you're like ingrained in the Hard Rock – history and and all of that um do you have a favorite hard rock story that's not like not your race but like maybe like someone else's race that like really inspired you or an experience you heard someone else had that kind of blew your mind yeah i mean i don't know if i can come up with just one yeah but there are a number of stories about hard rock there's the super famous one of uh, Timothy Olsen bonking mm-hmm. and, I remember and, this and one. going to sleep yep. on the mattress, whatever. <laughs> Crazy, and the still, famous mattress. Right, and still finishing. And uh, <laughs> two people have been struck by, or nearly struck by lightning and finished. Um, I was pacing somebody up engineer a couple years ago and passed one of my idols, my hard rock idols, puking on the side of the trail. And she, you know, of course she ended up finishing. Yeah, and who was that? Uh, Betsy Kalmar, I oh, think yeah. was was uh, yeah, and, she, and it was just like, but and and of course, of course, she still finished. And yeah, seeing these, the battle they went through, and the low moment, and then they finished. Even really these inspired. people who are like elites, who you know normally like oh, if they're not in the top three, they don't bother. Yeah. But um, you know, and even so, Katie Grossman posted on Facebook um, this past week talking about Dominic finishing and stuff, and how like they have a saying in their family. You don't just not finish hard yeah. rock. Like there might be other races where you could, you know, oh, I'm not just not my day. Yeah, not feeling it. Yeah, but um, and and there are 100 percent people who don't finish hard rock for legitimate reasons. But but it's you know, and this was me the whole time, like knowing what a privilege it was to be there, and so that was always part of why I kept pushing too, is knowing like you can't squander this chance. Yeah, like. When you come there, you got to be ready to, you know, the mountains aren't going to make it easy. You know, people who go down there for the first time and you know, haven't run the the run and, uh, you know, just like do some miles, do a section of the course. Like the even I, I've heard interviews of people who ended up winning the race later, like the first do of the course. And you're like, oh, my God, like, how, <laughs> how is impossible. this even possible yeah. to do this? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's such an epic, cool thing that you know it brings out you know the best in people you know and i'm just like i happen to finish the last but i'm sure there's a you know 
thousand stories like mine of people who, yeah. you know, dealt with something, you know, that would have people can't imagine going through but yeah. at hard rock but it's like you know whatever i'm gonna keep going you know, there's jameel years ago who had a rough time i think it was jameel who like was feeling sick so he took a six hour nap <laughs> and then crushed the second half of the course after taking a because That's you know amazing. like you just you don't quit you just you know you just dig it out yeah. because it's hard rock that's wild man well i want to thank you for coming over and sharing stories that was incredible so thanks man thanks for thanks for having me over it's been fun chatting with you yeah man where can people kind of like follow along your adventures and you know be exactly like jim walmsley and like your (laughs) posts (laughs) i i mostly do uh um i'm at on facebook instagram and twitter is all terry's running okay um but uh i I don't update i'm on facebook the most but i also get on people's nerves on facebook too so i I don't know if that's such a good idea welcome to everybody on facebook (laughs) just that's awesome man so yeah dude uh that's awesome thank you for coming on and best of luck for everything you decide to pursue from here on out thank you yeah man all right ladies and gentlemen that wraps up this week's episode of the show um huge thanks to terry it's always i always geek out when i get to talk to people who have actually raced the hard rock 100 um and if if you've never seen the course or or don't really know what this event is about like go and look it up like there's so much out there and it just looks like so hard but absolutely beautiful and incredible so um go on look that up uh huge thanks to terry again that was awesome man um if you want to hear more from terry uh i just listened to um he was on another podcast this week uh called do big things and it's adam mcroberts podcast and adam just does a fantastic job Uh, i gotta meet him at desert ass he helped crew the last couple days, just a wonderful guy, man. I hope uh, someday I can have him on this show um, or we can go for a run together or, or whatever. But Terry was on his podcast. I just finished the episode. It was fantastic. Like they just do a really, really great job. So um, check that out. That's the Do Big Things podcast. Um, and, you know, Adam has so many great episodes I've listened to. A bunch of them at this point and he has this sweet van man i just have to say this like he has this awesome van it says do big things on the side uh i love it dude i just love that idea of going out there and and trying to uh, do something that you might not have thought was possible um, until you really started the process and really started moving forward on on some sort of goal so um so check that out. Check Terry out on that. Um, it's a it's a really great episode. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, just for a heads up, next week we will be doing um, a podcast where my friend Brady Manriquez, uh, one of my favorite human beings on the planet, um, he's going to sit down and kind of we just chat about what the experience was like going out and um, filming. Uh, the Deseret stage race um, from my perspective obviously you know like at some point I want to hear uh, from the rest of our film crew so Paul James Chris Thomas Josh like I want to hear from all of those guys um, their perspectives as well um, but really I just I just 
I love talking with Brady, but I just felt like I just wanted to get some of my thoughts out. Um, kind of as like something I can always go back to and listen and, and hopefully I'll, I'll remember some of the stories, some of the adventures from behind the scenes of, of filming this thing. And, and, you know, it's kind of captures this moment in time where, um, we have the race filmed, we experienced it. Um, and now comes the hard work of, you know, putting all the footage together and trying to express, the story of of what we experienced in a way that's entertaining and makes sense and moving and and all of that so that's kind of where we're at on that project um i'll give you a big bigger update next week but um but yeah i we took like a month off of really thinking of, well we thought i thought about it a lot paul thought about it a lot uh everybody thought about it as we processed but we didn't really like start working on the story yet um and i think that was good i think that was good to like take a a brief break from the actual work itself because sometimes you get stuck up in that but and really take time to kind of like think about the experience you know think about what stories we can tell what opportunities we have um with this so so yeah there's gonna be a big episode of that next week and then after that, man, we're just getting back to some some adventuring. Like I'm psyched. It's almost the end of summer. School's about to start. And when you're a teacher, you have this weird thing where it's like, you know how everyone January 1st is like, it's a new year. It's a fresh year. You know, like as a teacher, you feel that way, but you feel that way in August. And, and then you get to feel that way again in January. So um, I'm almost to the point where it's August, man. It's almost it's almost time for a fresh year. Like, you know, what goals do we have on the horizon? What things do we want to accomplish this year? And I have a lot, you know, educational wise, like I have a whole bunch of excitement there. Like I'm so excited to meet my new students and, uh, start my leadership class again, which took a break last year, um, cause of COVID and the craziness of trying to teach through a pandemic. Um, but, but yeah, we're bringing the leadership class back. It's going to be awesome. But just in general, like in life, I'm like, yeah, man, this is, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time. I love the fall. So, uh, looking forward to that and looking forward to a couple more summer adventures before that. So, so yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Um, we'll get back to you next week. Next week's a long one. It's like almost an hour 45. Um, <laughs> It never, we never intended to go that long when I talked to Brady, but it always does seemingly. So, um, but yeah, all right, we'll get back at you then.